Hello, everybody. This is Charles from the Barbershop Group. I hope that everybody's enjoying the weekend so far. Um, today, I have uh, an interview set up uh, with a different type of, of guest today. And I know that you guys uh, will probably moan and groan when you hear this, but we're going to have a, uh, a conversation with a marriage and family therapist today. And uh, that's going to be that's going to be um, really uh, really interesting to uh, to hear what he has to say. But before I introduce this guest uh, today, I wanted to to mention something to you guys uh, that I know um, many of you have probably experienced, and you've probably talked to your friends about it. Uh, but you you maybe maybe you feel uncomfortable talking about it uh, openly. I know that a lot of times in relationships, guys, uh, you know, we, we hit snags. And as you all have heard me uh, talk about in previous podcasts, we men do a very bad job of expressing our vulnerability. We don't like to talk about those things, right? Especially if we are uh, heterosexual males, right? We definitely don't want to talk about that. Yeah, there's just something in our psyche that doesn't let us go there but uh when we are involved with someone in a relationship I, I think that we have to be very careful about thinking that our thinking is always the right thinking and um you know sometimes our partner our spouse may mention uh, hey we need to see counseling or or we're not doing too well right now and instead of us maybe you know, having a mentor or uh, like an accountability partner or just somebody around us who's reliable, who can point us in the right direction, we shut down. And the last thing that we ever, ever, ever want to do is uh, go to a counselor or a therapist and talk about a better way to interact with the people uh, we say we love, right? Uh, which is kind of ironic when you think about it. If you're if you're listening right now, I want you to think about somebody who you love, and I want you to think about um, you know this person saying to you, "Well, I think we need some help." The truth is, a lot of times, even though we say we love someone, we don't always want to put our best foot forward to help the person that we love, and we don't want to help our relationships. So. We're going to have a discussion about that today. Today, I have on the show uh, a gentleman by the name of John Edwards. Okay, and uh, John Edwards, um, excuse me, is a psychotherapist based in Oakland, and um, he specializes in relationships. Okay, in marital and family counseling, couples counseling, right? And uh, John has a really, really unique background. Um, you know, he's originally from, uh, from Guyana, uh, South America, which is a beautiful, beautiful uh, little country. If you've never been there, you should check it out. A lot of you guys probably don't think about vacationing in some of those unheard of uh, uh, countries, but uh, you, should, you should really check it out. And, uh, you know, the other thing that, that's really, really uh, interesting is uh, his own personal um, attraction to to mental health and I won't tell you uh, about some of the things that drew him to his work if he wants to share that then uh, by all means we'll give him the floor but I think you guys will be very very interested in what he has to say from a male perspective and possibly from another perspective as well so John how are you today 
I am doing excellent, Charles. Oh, excellent. man. Hey, that's, that's awesome to hear. I know that it is early uh, in your neck of the woods, so we won't, we won't keep you too long. But uh, we're really, really glad to have you, um, you know, uh, on the show with us today. And we're just, we're ready for your insight. Um, so you heard me talk about, uh, you know, the, the man's inability to be vulnerable or his unwillingness to get involved in, uh, in therapy when it comes to establishing a better relationship with his partner. Is that something that you tend to see a lot? So I tend to see that a lot. It's a little bit of a complex, complicated issue. So what I'm going to try to do is I am going to try to um, give some information in terms of uh, why some of that happens, especially okay. if you're male and heterosexual. Mm -hmm. um, it also happens in the gay community as well. And, um, and then some a little bit of specifics about uh, black males. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because there's there's some special dynamics uh, that happen, and I know some people are probably going, "Oh, why do we have to say special dynamics for black people?" <laughs> yada 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 yada. But yes. that's just the way the world operates. Yes, that's just the way the world operates. So right. I'm not gonna have a whole big debate about it. Mm -hmm. um, so as I was hearing you talk, here are a couple of things that popped into my mind. People get together. And then, you know, they like each other. Everything is great. The oxytocin, which is the, mm -hmm. the hormone in the brain that goes, ooh, this person is the best person ever, is flowing. And, you know, then eventually it kind of wears off. And, you know, but people are doing okay. And then somewhere around year three, mm -hmm. people start to have problems. Mm. Not everybody, but, you know, somewhere around there. Yes. Sometimes earlier, sometimes later. Mm -hmm. People start to have problems and they go, hmm, we're having problems. Eh, it'll just go away. I see. And then they wait an additional three years if they make it. And then they go, holy crap, this is really out of control. And then typically uh, in a heterosexual relationship, the woman says, we should go get counseling. Mm-hmm. So on average, the typical couple waits six years after having problems before they go to try to get help. Wow. Okay. So if they, 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 they start having trouble at three years. Somewhere in they, there. And they wait six, so they wait six years before they, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's heavy. That's, yeah. that, so there's a lot of time invested in just like being stuck yes wow yes so people could be so three years is kind of a generalized point people okay. could be doing good for seven years i see and then they start to have problems at year seven mm -hmm. but then they wait three years and they go oh, you know maybe it'll and then they wait another three years so they start to have problems at year seven, but they don't actually seek help out until year 13. Wow. Gotcha. Right? So the average is six years that people wait when they're having problems. Um, so that, that contributes to the problem. Now, let's do a ridiculous example. You have okay. a car, 
it's not working right and you wait six years before you take it to the mechanic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's going to be really bad. Your, your, car, you won't, your car won't be working. I mean, exactly. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to, there's going to be a lot of problems, right? Right, right. So that's then right. people come after waiting six years. So mm-hmm. now I want you, I want you to think about this in numbers, right? So yeah. there are 24 hours in a day, mm-hmm. right? And there are 365 days in a year. Yes. Okay. I don't even know the math. I should have my phone next to me. <laughs> but 365, I'm going to pull my phone up because I want to give specific numbers here. Okay. Okay. Um, so we have, we have 365 times 24, right? That's mm-hmm. 8,760 hours. Yes. Okay. Times six. It's 52,560 hours of roughness. Yes. Right? We're not talking about the good parts. We're talking about right. the, like, the average six years, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 52,560 hours of roughness. Okay? And then people go to therapy and they go, oh, I had one session for an hour. Why isn't it better? Right. Okay. That that puts a, that puts it into a perspective. That yeah, you you got fifty two thousand hours of bad, and you expect for one hour to make it all better. Right. Wow. No, Again, I, if we if yeah. we use the car example, if you're in a horrible car accident, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It takes several hours in surgery to fix you up. Wow. And yeah. if you know anybody, if you know anybody who's been in a serious car accident. You know, a year or two later, they're still complaining about pain in their shoulder and this, that, you know, depending on how their recovery went and the type of help they got and all of this kind of stuff, right? So it's a complicated issue, um, but I wanted to kind of put it in perspective for folks that if you wait six years, Mm -hmm. it's going to be challenging. It's not going to be easy. So the recommendation is as soon as you start to see you're having problems, go get some help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the recommendation, right? And, and I hear you. As soon as you start to have problems, go get help. So why don't people go get help? People don't go get help because there are a number of factors. Mm-hmm. One of the primary factors is cost. Okay. Right? So mm-hmm. um, for a lot of people, certainly not for everybody. But yeah. for a lot of people, it's cost. I see. A lot of people, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So a lot of people would like to use their insurance for relationship counseling. And a lot of people are erroneously told by therapists that mm-hmm. insurances don't cover relationship counseling. Okay. Really? And here's the thing. There's a mental health philosophical issue that's mm. going on that is actually preventing folks from accessing services. Wow. Right? wow. So let's say, and I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be, you know, you're Bob and you're married to Jane and, um, and you guys, you know, Jane is like, let's say Jane is the school secretary and, you know, Bob uh, works at the New York city subway transit. Uh-huh. Right, and they're working, and they start to have some problems. And Jane says, "Hey, let's go to counseling. I have, you know, X insurance. 
And Jen calls up therapist number one and therapist number one says, oh, I'm sorry, uh, insurance doesn't cover relationship counseling. Okay. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think Jane is going to be like, oh, let me figure that out. She's going to be, holy crap, what am I going to do now? Right. Yeah, no, that's done. They, they call up one person and they're probably just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, we're lost. We can't do anything. So I just want, I want people to know that if you, if, you, if you get the courage and you call a therapist and you're going to use your insurance and the therapist tells you that insurance doesn't cover relationship counseling, that's a philosophical issue. It comes in terms of diagnosis. Some therapists say, I'm treating the relationship, and so I won't give anybody a diagnosis, and I'm going to submit a particular code to the insurance company, and the insurance company is going to deny that. And so they say, therefore, we don't, insurance doesn't cover relationship. I see. Okay. Right. The way it needs to work is that there's a particular code. Um, the basic code is not to confuse people and get them too much information, but there's a basic code of 90847 that you use when you're doing couples counseling mm -hmm. when the couple is together and 90846 that you use if you're seeing the husband or the wife or the partners um, okay those codes are on contracts when people sign insurance when people are in networks they 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 sign contracts those mm -hmm. codes are on there and that's what you use for couples counseling so it is possible Gotcha. And then, and then what happens is, is that the couple comes in and you just have to decide which one has a mental health diagnosis. Okay. Most of us are running around with some kind of mental health <laughs> diagnosis. It's <laughs> right. not that big of a deal. It's really right. not that big of a deal. Yes. Right? We tend to think that it's a big deal because of, you know, the, like, for example, the recent Parkland um, massacre that happened right. and everybody's yes. doing mental illness. And so then you hear, ooh, well, I'm not like that. I'm not planning to go, you know, do anything right. nefarious like that at all. Right. Um, but mental health diagnosis is something as simple as generalized anxiety disorder, which is complex, yes. but yes. it doesn't mean you're hearing voices or hallucination or anything towards the more extreme end of the diagnostic categories, right? Right, right. Depression. Now, I, as personally as a, as a couples therapist, I have not met a couples therapist who has come into me for counseling, who many of whom have waited more than six years to come in, who don't have a mental health diagnosis, right? Mm. So who's not anxious? They're worried what their husband is going to say or not say, you know, where is he when he's out at night? Um, you know, or the wife, you know, the husband is worried about the wife. Why is she always by her mother? You know, all of this stuff creates anxiety people get depressed and then sometimes people come with their own issues right yeah. sometimes, yes sometimes people have you know some more uh serious mental health issues somebody might perhaps might have um bipolar disorder for example okay you know there are a lot of folks that have um a lot of folks that have substance abuse issues that yes. is directly impacting their relationships right okay. LGBT or heterosexual mm -hmm. uh so all of those things are diagnosable that you can use, yes. that your therapist can use. So that's yeah. one thing. So finances is one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, and therapy is expensive. Yes. So tell people that. But again, you know, you sort of have to, there are also 
places available, they're oftentimes training clinics and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. if you can't find someone, um, so I should say this, on very rare occasions, an, an insurance may not cover the two codes that I mentioned, very rare occasions. Okay. But there are training clinics and stuff like that that you can go to. So financing is a big issue. Mm -hmm. The other issue is that um, we have a lot of us have virtually the entire nation. We have huge, huge amounts of trauma. Yes. In our lives. So what do yeah. I mean by trauma? We've experienced, so there are basically two types of trauma. There's what we call little T traumas. Mm -hmm. So little T traumas are things like, you know, you wanted to get on the basketball team, you really practice, you really practice, and then you didn't get chosen. Okay. Right? And you're like, oh my God, my world is going to come to an end, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You're very, it's, it becomes a very negative experience. Mm -hmm. um, Right? And so that's just kind of a very simple example. If all your friends got on the basketball team and you were looking forward to going on trips with your friends and you have five friends and you're the only one that didn't get selected for the basketball team, right? That, that, that can be an extremely negative, traumatizing experience. Some of us have bigger experiences, things like car accidents, um, you know, house fires, um, sexual abuse, yes. uh, physical abuse. And this is the part, I know this kind of goes across the board, but, you know, black people like to not think of physical abuse. We like to not think of whoopings and all that kind of stuff yep. as not physical abuse. And I'm here to tell people it is. Uh -oh. And if you don't think it is, <laughs> and if you don't think it is, and people say, well, I, I was whooped and I'm fine. Yeah. And, and here's the answer to that. You're fine, perhaps, despite of, not because of. Right, right. Yeah, and absolutely. So that really needs to be clear. So we have these traumatic experiences. If we haven't gone to any therapy to process and heal those, then mm -hmm. what tends to happen is when we get into relationships, especially if our trauma was from family members, right so here's an example if man or woman and we do know men are sexually abused right one in six right. um yes. right so if you were sexually abused by uncle jim or whoever man or woman mm -hmm. and then you then you know you grow up you stop you don't really tell anybody and then you meet someone and you start dating and everything is going fine and then you get married and then problems start yes. and people go i don't understand right so especially the, the the partner that hasn't been abused doesn't really understand they're like i don't understand what's going on like everything was fine before we got married and now we got married he doesn't want to touch me she doesn't want to touch me we can only have sex with the lights off and in this particular way and all of that kind of stuff and so here's the thing. When you get married, you're now family. That will now bring up all of those automatic, traumatic, defensive responses that you had before. Right. And this right. is why it becomes complicated after you get married. Wow. Because you're now family. Before right. you weren't family, so it, doesn't, it didn't really matter. <laughs> so earlier, earlier you mentioned about vulnerability. 
right? Mm -hmm. we, we're not necessarily consciously aware of these things, mm -hmm. but our emotional brain, our emotional brain um, knows this and yes. tries to keep us safe. So one of the things that's happening is that we have developed coping systems before we got into the relationships, especially if we've had a lot of trauma that kept okay. us safe, but it kept us safe in the circumstances that we were in. Right. Right. So if right. to shut down, if you're being sexually abused and it was to shut down while the abuse was happening, mm -hmm. when you're now with your partner, and things start to feel like you get triggered. Things mm -hmm. start to feel like the experience of being abused. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Your system says, Just shut down. That's right. This is yeah. how you protect yourself. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's heavy. That's really heavy. So let me, let me um, ask, you, ask you this. Uh, you know, uh, from the perspective of um, of a heterosexual male, you know, it's just my my personal thing. Um, like when you talk about uh, the sexual abuse that a lot of people, a lot of you know, men don't even want to acknowledge. In some, in fact, society doesn't even want to acknowledge that it happens happens mm -hmm. to us and and you know my listeners know that uh i am um you know uh the survivor of sexual molestation uh however however i still really do a lot of self-talk and, and and everything and, and and introspection about how that impacts um my relationship right um and I, I think that because of there's so many people who just they 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 don't acknowledge it at all, and they don't think about the the wide spectrum of of sexual abuse and molestation or just bad sexual boundaries. They have no regard whatsoever for how this impacts how they interact with other people, right? So. Um, you know, sometimes we talk on, on the show about uh, pornography and, and things like that. And the other day I did a monologue uh, for men uh, talking about how we, we justify the use of pornography in relationships. That, that's like a thing that people are doing um, where this isn't something that's mutually enjoyed. It's not mutually shared. You know, the other partner or spouse doesn't have the same view of it. Uh, but there are a lot of men who are just explaining it away. And I'm curious about, wow, have they had some trauma that has made them view pornography the way that they do or maybe use pornography the way that they do? I don't know. It could just be me. Maybe I'm fishing. <laughs> but but it just it just seems like there there are so many especially john I, I have to say this among straight males among heterosexual males it's just to be it seems like there are so many men who are afraid of looking at pornography with a critical eye and looking at how it impacts their relationships yeah so i would theorize generally mm. um you always have to figure out how come you're doing something, mm -hmm. right? And so if you are in a relationship with someone 
and you're saying, hey, I want to do X. And the person says, you know, I'm not really sure I want to do X. Mm-hmm. And then the person says, all right, you know, I love you. I'll try it. And then they try it and they go, yeah, no, not for me. Right. Then you really have to ask yourself, what is happening inside of you that you will then know want to impose that? I see. Okay. Right. So if you're looking at pornography and if the pornography becomes primary, Mm -hmm. right. than the actual live person in front of you, then I would say that's problematic. Got you. If you can't do anything, right? So let's say you go to my home country of Guyana (laughs) and you're out in the jungle somewhere and you're like, ooh, I'm hearing crickets and blah, 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 blah. We're out in nature, let's do it. And you go, shit, I don't, oops, I can, I should say that on your part. You can edit that. <laughs> <Okay. out. laughs> All right. But you go, crap, uh, I don't have any porn. I can't have sex. Oh. Uh, that's a problem. Right. <laughs> that, that is a problem. So yeah. I'm saying this to say from my perspective, I know porn is a very controversial issue, mm-hmm. but how is it impacting your relationship? If you're in the jungle, you know, and you want to have, you know, Tarzan and Jane sex or Tarzan and Tarzan sex or Jane. Right, right. And you can't do it because there's no porn because you don't have any internet um, Mm -hmm. or your phone battery died or whatever it is. I would say that, you know, that's a problem and something to be explored. A lot of men... So here's, here's the other thing, like alcohol, like pot and cocaine and other things, you know, a lot of people don't meet necessarily meet the criteria for a substance use disorder as defined in the diagnostic and statistical manual, you know, or Bible for uh, mental health diagnoses, right? Right, right. But it's the use of something. So a lot of men, I find in my practice, a lot of men are using porn as a way to escape pain, right? How do you escape pain, right? You turn on the porn and whatever is going on, right? And you see whatever, you see the big breasts, whatever it is, da, 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 and you ejaculate and then you feel good, right? So the orgasm feels good. It takes you away from whatever pain you're experiencing. So folks have to think about, hmm, right? what is going on that I am using porn in this way? Again, if you're using porn three times a day, you know, at work, I once worked somewhere many, many years ago where someone um, was fired because IT figured out that he was actually, um, he had porn sites going all day. Wow. Like all day, like on a separate window and he would just open it up and, and, you know, and that, so that's, that's a problem. The other thing is you got to look at your internal dialogue. What is your internal dialogue? Um, is your internal dialogue that if I look at porn, that means I'm a real man um, okay. because I may have experienced some form of sexual abuse, right? So now I look at porn. And so there's, there's some kind of reinforcement of the, of the, hey, when I do this, I feel like a real man because it means that I'm not gay, I'm not a homo, I'm not whatever, blah, 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 whatever kind of derogatory term one wants to use. Right. And so this is sort of 
this is sort of you know trying to it's trying to repair that damage but um it doesn't really work because people have to do it over and over and over and over again and then that has a negative impact on your relationship got you yeah that's that's definitely interesting so guys you've heard you've heard john say it that uh you know and, and i know this being in addictions uh work listen um I don't know how many times uh, one has to say it, but when you're using and abusing substances, things, often, as he said, it's about avoiding pain. And uh, I, I think that a lot of times men, and I see this, whether it's uh, heterosexual uh, men or, or, or gay men, it doesn't matter if you're a man, it's just it's something about us that makes us want to rationalize things that we know are bad, okay? And uh, the older we get, uh, the, the, the better we get at faulty rationalizations. Um, you know, one of the things that I find to be very interesting is uh, a 16 or 17 year old young man doesn't have well thought out rationalizations the way that a 45 year old man would. Um, but nevertheless, it all comes from uh, the same place. Uh, of pain. So recently I was speaking to another member of the barbershop group uh, about uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, the fact that a friend of Charlie Sheen, uh, Lenny Dykstra, who was a baseball player uh, years ago, he, he decided to uh, reveal that Charlie Sheen, uh, that he was really bisexual and that his inability to uh, confront his sexuality is what caused him to uh, get involved heavily in uh, drug use, okay? And now I won't go this way or that way on my soapbox about how I, how I feel about you know, uh, uh, this, this thing, but it is to say that if that's the case, then you know, um, here it is, you have an individual who, and he's had, really bad relationships with a number of people in his life, uh, Charlie Sheen has, both professional and on a personal level, um, you have to be looking at, wow, like what pain was he unable to address? Because it's apparent that something was going on with, with Charlie Sheen. Uh, and that's just the celebrity. And one of the things I try to remind everybody, John, um, you know, I try to remind listeners is, try to look beyond celebrity figures and, and, and kind of look at yourselves, right? Because we have to look at ourselves. I think it's, it's really easy to see the celebrities relationship breakdown out there and we know the answers to it, mm -hmm. but we don't have the ability to look at our own selves and the causes and reasons for our own breakdowns, right? And in our, in our relationships. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, Dykstra said those things about Charlie Sheen, and I've not heard him respond to it at all or say anything about it at all. Um, I don't know if you had heard anything about that story. It was just published recently. Oh, yeah, no, I, I try not to follow celebrity jokes. Good, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. I, it, it can be but, overwhelming. You know, right? Yeah, you were talking, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging for us to look at ourselves because so, much, so many of us have such horrific negative self-talk that again comes, mm. comes from this, this 
this this this trauma background that that we've experienced yeah and um you know so if we think about relationships and people trying to get help and you have a trauma background and you have a set of coping skills that says don't trust people mm -hmm. you can only rely on yourself right these are now the emotional barriers that pop up that makes mm -hmm. it difficult to go find a therapist yes right I wanted to add, if you, go to, if you get the courage to find the therapist, I actually have a video on YouTube. Uh, it's called Why Marriage Counseling Doesn't Work. Mm. And so you can just, you can just type in why, why, doesn't, why marriage counseling doesn't work, and it'll mm. pop right up on top. And I list, I, I list the several reasons why. So I'm not saying that marriage counseling doesn't work. I'm saying here are reasons why it wouldn't work. I see. And a couple of the reasons why are it's very important if you're going to select a therapist that the therapist has training in marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. A lot of therapists don't. When we go to therapy school, we get, you know, ooh, whether it's clinical psychology, marriage and family therapy, social work, whatever it is, we get a lot of individual training, like how to work with individuals. Yes. Very few of us get really extensive training in couples and marriage counseling. And right. so you want to make sure your therapist has some training, particularly specialty training, right? There are a bunch of specialty trainings out there for, so for myself, I'm a certified Gottman method couples therapist. There's also emotionally focused couples therapy. Uh, there's the developmental model. There's Imago, the psychobiological. I must say, do not, whatever you do, people are going to probably be upset at me, but I don't care. Do not get psychoanalytic couples counseling. It mm. will not work. You cannot wow. go into couples therapy and just free associate. It will be a disaster. Because mm. all you will do is end, end up re-injuring each other, right? Which is why when people come to see me, it's very structured. I see. I see. Very structured. Um, I wanted to add also just uh, uh, four things for people that are struggling in relationships right now. Mm -hmm. There are four things we call them in the Gottman method. We call them the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay. These are the four communication patterns that if they're in the relationship, your relationship is more than likely not going to last. It oh. predict, predicts it with 94% accuracy. Wow. Now, one of two things will happen the relationship will dissolve where you get, you break up or you get separated or you get divorced mm -hmm. or you become roommates. If you're married, you know, can I have your half of the rent, please? I'm saying <laughs> I paid for the groceries last week. You need to pay for the groceries this week. Right. But there's nothing romantic going on. Mm -hmm. And these four things are the first one is criticism. Mm -hmm. Criticism is when you say something about your partner that says, there's something wrong with them characterologically. And mm. criticism goes something like this. Oh my God, why can't you do the dishes? You're so damn lazy. Yeah. That's okay. criticism. Yes. Right? Yes. Why can't you pay the bills on time? You're such, you're such a moron. Don't you have any financial skills? Right. Please don't you. do that. Mm. Please don't do that. Instead, instead of doing criticism, we want you to do what's called a gentle startup. A gentle startup is something like, 
hey, oh my God, there are a lot of dishes in the sink. It makes me upset when there's so many dishes in the sink. Okay. That's it. Yes. I understand that. Right? Yes. Or even if you can't get there, you can do something like, hey, I got something to talk to you about. You know, I'm really upset. It might not come out right. Can you bear with me? But we mm -hmm. got to do something about these dishes in the sink that are piling up. Okay. That's a gentle startup. You're not saying anything about the person. Right. right. Sometimes couples say to me, okay, I got it. And so you can also say a formula is, is I feel X about, right? I okay. feel upset about dishes piling up in the sink. Mm -hmm. Sometimes somebody will say to me, well, well, I feel you're an idiot that you left the dishes piling up in the sink. And you can't do that, right? <laughs> right, so you right. You just want to say you just want to talk about you. You just want to talk about you. Yes. What happens, what then happens after criticism is people get defensive. Defensive is a natural, defensiveness is the natural response to criticism, right? Oh my right. God, why didn't you clean up the dishes? You're so lazy. I work hard all day. Can, why can't I just come home and lay on the couch for two minutes and drink a beer and relax? Yes. Right. right. That's defensiveness. Instead of being defensive, just find a kernel of truth in what the person says. You know, you're right. I didn't do the dishes. Okay. That's it. It's really hard to argue with somebody when you agree with them. Right? Right. right. Eagles, Eagles versus Patriots. Right? If you're an Eagles fan and somebody says, oh, who are you rooting for? Who are you rooting for? You go to the Eagles and go, oh, okay. Right? Not much right. is going to happen. Right. Um, you say you're Eagles fan, and somebody says, "Who oh, you ready to get a Patriots? Ooh, man, how can you do that, man? Ah, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, defeat yep. uh, game, yep. yada, 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 right? <laughs> right, so, right. Let's just find a kernel of truth and disagree. That the idea is to keep the conversation going. Yes. Okay. And then the third one is contempt. And contempt mm -hmm. is the most caustic of the four horsemen. It's like sulfuric okay. acid. If you remember when you were in chemistry in high school and you dropped a full sulfuric acid and like melted everything away. Yes, yes. That is what contempt is like in relationships. I it see. is especially caustic when it is found in a woman in a heterosexual relationship. Wow. And okay. contempt is criticism with a morally superior attitude. I see. Go something like this. Why didn't you wash the dishes? Oh my God, you're so damn lazy. I work 24 hours today. I come home. I have one hand tied behind my back. I've breastfed the kid, made dinner, and I can do it. Right? Wow. That's contempt. Okay. So not only are you flawed, mm -hmm. but I can do it so much better than you. Yes. Right? That is contempt. Contempt okay. makes people feel like the size of a pinhead. Wow. So if you're That's feeling heavy. if you're feeling like the size of a pinhead after in a conversation, you're probably experiencing contempt. I see. Okay. The antidote to contempt to contempt is you want to talk about your own feelings, needs, and wants. Okay which is really hard, which is why contempt is so problematic because A, you got to know what your own feelings, needs, and wants are. Yes. <laughs> and then you got to say it in a non-critical, non-defensive, non-contemptuous way. Right.
right? Wow. But it goes something like this. Hey, you know, I'm really upset when I come home and there are dishes in the sink. And then you make a request. Okay. It would be really helpful to me if when you come home, you could do the dishes, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I get really flustered and I'm worried about our credit when the bills aren't paid on time. It would be really helpful for me if we could figure out a way so that we can pay the bills on time. Yes. Right? Notice right. I didn't say anything about the other person. He didn't say right. it would be helpful if you got your act yeah. together. <laughs> if you got your act together and started paying the bills on time, right? Mm-hmm. It would mm-hmm. be helpful if you stopped being a moron, right? You're just talking about yourself. Yeah. And then the last okay. one is the last one is stonewalling. And stonewalling mm-hmm. is when you're talking to the person and they're just staring you down. And you know there's not, you know, there's nothing happening. Right. right. And one of one of the good ways you could know that stonewalling is happening is if you hear yourself going, but I told you that three times already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stonewalling is when we check out of the conversation because it's overwhelming for us. Right. Right. It's just overwhelming. One of the things that happens for a lot of people in addition to stonewalling is they experience what we call flooding, which means their heart rate goes above a hundred beats a minute. Okay. And then they're just not biologically able to have a conversation. And that wow. happens a lot. Right. Okay. So people they 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 you know they're not hearing anything, you know, you know, they're just seeing lips moving, that kind of stuff. The interesting thing for people who aren't flooded, especially men who aren't yeah. flooded but they're stonewalling, what they're trying to do is they're trying not to make the situation worse. And so right. the dialogue in their head is, all right, just shut up. Don't say anything. Don't say anything because whatever you say is going to make it worse. And so she's going to flame out eventually. Just be quiet. <laughs> but, wow. right? but you're not really communicating. So right. if you feel overwhelmed, if you know, your wife says to you, hey, we've got to talk about Sunday dinner at my mother's next week, and you're like, oh my God. Like instantly, you're already, <laughs> right? You're like, mm, yeah, yeah. okay, all right? If that's a conversation, if it feels like if it's coming from left field or you don't have the inner resources right now to deal with it, just say something like, hey, babe, I know it's really important for us to talk about that. Um, can you give me half an hour? Yeah, it's you. Okay. Right. So it's, a lot of this sounds like, like you know, Communication, a lot of communication uh, yes. uh, issues, learning, learning a, a new way to communicate what's on the inside and, uh, and just changing how it comes out. Um, that's, that's, that's very interesting stuff because I know that a lot of, a lot of men have probably uh, heard um, the, uh, the contemptuous statements, you know, something about not being able to clean the house the way that she cleans the house or not being able to do this the way she does this or, or mm-hmm. in some women, you know, uh, some women have probably heard it too, where the guy feels like because he's rough and tough, it can, you know, change a tire or do this and that. And you can't do that. Why can't you do that? Or I do this like this. Yeah. Those things are said a lot. Yes. Uh, we are, we're, we're running, running short on time. Uh, but I, I, I did have, have one, one question for you and it's a, it's a heavy, heavy question. Uh, but if you could just give me a quick bit 
on it, um, I know that it will jar the listener. Okay. Um, I, in, in this, this day and age where we're talking about me too, we're talking about different types of masculinities. We're talking about toxic masculinity where, where younger generations of men are actually interested in being a different type of male, right. Than some of the older American men. Um, do you think that uh, with everything that's happening, do you think that now is a very opportune time for men to, you know, to explore who they are? Like, it, it almost seems like, yeah, okay, there's some bad things going on. But to me, it looks like this is a great time to, um, to discover you. You know, I don't know if there's ever a bad time to do it, but right now everybody's having a conversation. So what are some of your quick thoughts about that? I think any time is a good time for anybody to explore themselves. Yes. I think this is a good time for men to explore themselves individually mm -hmm. and also collectively. Because we know from research that men specifically men and i'm sure the research was probably mostly heterosexual men or men who didn't i've identified themselves as gay but right. research says that men who have close friendships live longer and they have less yeah. illnesses yes. right right and so <clears throat> but we're so caught up in this you know i gotta say as a gay man i'm always like oh my god what's with the hyper masculinity good grief <laughs> Like, like, what's going on? <laughs> like, what's going on? Right? But part of that, again, it goes back to this trauma response and how people feel. I travel on the BART system, and I even see it when I'm in New York occasionally, you know, on the subway. The guy, you know, the man spread. I mean, we've seen, we've seen articles in the New York Times about the man spread. So my theory is, what is the man spread about? The man spread is about, I have no power elsewhere in my life, and I'm right. going to insert it here. Yes. Right? And I'm going to dare you. And all I think to myself is, that must be really sad that the only place you can feel like you can exert power is on, you know, a tin metal thing that's going at 40, 50 miles an hour, quite a whole bunch of terms. Right. So, right. so I would definitely encourage guys, gay and straight, you know, form, try to form meaningful relationships. Absolutely. Get, you know, there are lots of groups out there. Get a therapist. I know for black people, it's hard to find a therapist. That's a whole different discussion because we mm -hmm. want a black therapist and they just like that many of us out there. Mm -hmm. um, but I slightly encourage you, you know, there are some good white therapists out there. Yes. There really yes. And you can find them. You may have to look a little bit, but, <laughs> but you can find them. And really try to process just some of the, the pain and the grief and the shame and the guilt, because that is really the stuff that's holding you back from having an authentic relationship with yourself and right. with others. It's, it's that stuff, right? If you never told anybody what Uncle Jack did to you, mm -hmm. or if you, ever ne if you never told anybody what you saw your stepdad doing to your mom, beating the crap out of her and all of that. All of that stuff has profound impact on our emotional systems. Yes. And we have to find a way to heal it because we carry it around us in our body, right? This is why we, what we call hypervigilant, right? Yes. We're walking around going, what's that? What do you want to do with me? Whoa! Right? That's, that, is, that is not culture. 
<laughs> right. Right. That's that is true. not black culture. That is called trauma. Right. Mm. That is called trauma. That is called hypervigilance and automatic responses, because mm. as human beings, you know, especially for you know, if we go back, you know, back to, you know, twelve hundreds and stuff like that, mm. you know, we we're not we're not really horrible people. Right. 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 Yeah. But we've had so much global sort of stuff that has impacted the way we we interact. It's changed mm -hmm. how it's changed our emotional system. So we just got to try and figure out, you know, how do I get in contact with myself mm -hmm. and how do I then learn who to be in contact with? Because not as you know, some people have more problems with others and it's OK to be like, hey, I can't hang out with Jack anymore, man, because that dude, you know, he's got right. issues. Right. But find someone that you can talk with be friends with right and if you find yourself you know having strong feelings for another guy it doesn't mean you're gay <laughs> okay yeah absolutely and it's, it and it's so just, funny so because funny i think that's one of the things for heterosexual men oh you know i don't know i don't know if i you know but you know just relax like just right. relax yeah. right if you're not thinking about another guy in a sexual way then guess what you're not gay. It's right. not, it's, it's not yeah. that big of a deal, right? You're not gay. You're not bisexual. You're having a human relationship. You care about this right. person. You care about their wife. You care about their kids. You care about them. That's a natural emotion. Absolutely. You're not trying so, to get uh, them in bed. So if you're not doing that, don't worry about it. Right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And, and the don't. person who's receiving it, don't worry about it either. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, and if that's what turns, if that's what it turns out to be, you go, yo, dude, Hey man, we're good friends, but you know, I just don't roll that way. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny. You, you, you mentioned that. And, uh, you know, I, I want to, want to close out. Uh, like I said, I, we're, we're running short on time, but guys, yeah. uh, you know, John, you know what? And, and I was just going to, I'm going to say, I've definitely got to get you back on because I want to delve into, I want to delve into, um, some some of the issues that gay men are having as well okay uh, i always say to the listener hey the barbershop group is for every man it's for every man it doesn't matter what your religious background is what your faith is it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is it doesn't matter what your what your ethnicity is um if you are a man and you go into a barbershop Everybody goes to a barbershop. They go into some kind of place uh, to get an edge up or trim or do something, and conversations happen. And that's what we want to happen at the barbershop group. Uh, so I always put that out there because this isn't a utopia for heterosexual males. That's not how we are. I wanted to share with you guys in the audience is this. Um, I talk a little bit about sexual molestation and in a, in a video that I did last year sometime, I mentioned that unless we talk about the pain, unless we talk about the pain, we're just going to kind of like relive it. Okay. Well, and everything that we see, everything we perceive will be with those kind of, you know, trauma eyeglasses on. Um, it wasn't until a couple years ago that I, um, that I revealed to my father that I was uh, sexually molested by someone in his family. And, you know, even at my age, it took everything in me to be able to share that 
uh, with my father for fear of judgment and anger and all of those things. But I'll tell you something that happened. As soon as I revealed that to my father, a huge weight lifted off of me. Mm -hmm. And the relationship that I had with my father was good before, but it became even better. And then the relationship that I was having with myself began to change. So I just want to share that with you guys in the audience so that you can really, really take a look at it. if it's not happened or if it didn't happen to you, maybe if you know someone that's happened to you, uh, take a look at it. If you want to do some research, I've got some wonderful resources that you can contact me about. Uh, to learn more about these kinds of things, but we cannot continue to live our lives being confounded as men. John, again, I thank you for coming on this morning with us. I will definitely, definitely send you an invite to get back on. You have a lot of valuable information. And as I said, I know that people want to know more about, um, about counsel, uh, couples counseling. And I also definitely, definitely want to talk to you about the struggles of, of gay men, because I have or had a dear friend of mine who, uh, I, you know, yes, everyone knows that he's gay and he's okay today, but there were some things that took place that were very concerning for people who were around us. And I just kind of like want to hear someone else's input and, and just help everybody get past some of the things that they are always stuck on. Right. So, uh, it's been great. It's been very, very great. Guys, uh, you know, we hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. And uh, as always, uh, the Barbershop Group is your safe space to, to talk about your issues. Remember, guys, in addition, um, every Sunday at 3 p.m., we have a video web conference group. It's just a basic check-in. Uh, the link is on the Facebook page. It's on Instagram as well as Twitter. You can come in, you can join from your phone, you can join from your, from your computer. Just come in and, and say hello to the guys. If you wanna talk about something major, we can deal with that there. But we know that a lot of guys don't get the opportunity to do that from week to week. You get so busy and before you know it, you're done, you check out. So here's an opportunity for you to check in. Every Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern, join us. So with that, I will talk to you all later. Have a great weekend, guys.